on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Fozzie Whitaker joins us to preview OU Texas. We also preview some of the other big games of week six of college football and give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, October 5th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, visit Riverwind.com. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. It's fun. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. And Teddy, it is the most wonderful week of the year. I know that I know the, the vibes are low right now for OU football, <laughs> but we can't let it kill the excitement that is OU Texas week. Let's go, man. Yeah. Yeah, there is um it's weird. Our fan base is like there, there's a, a small group that is optimistic and still sticking behind the, the, the team. There's a group that is, you know, I think, well, there's, there's a large group that thinks we're the worst team in the big 12 and we'll be lucky to go, uh, you know, six and six and make a bowl game. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a group that is just like sticking with the process. I don't know. I, I think that, We've seen this game in the past that it doesn't necessarily matter how good you are and what you've looked like heading into it. I, it, it always feels like it ends up being a, a, a level playing field. The team that's down plays up to the other team uh, pretty much every single year. I'll say this. like I understand the fan base's frustration. Like We're all frustrated, right? Anyone that has any involvement right, with the program, whether you're a fan, you're a player, you're a coach, part of the radio team, you're doing the TV shows, like everyone is frustrated. But this, this game is when this team needs the fans the most. And, and you and I, and it's going to be really hard to outdo their performance from last year. Uh, OU's fans were incredible 
in that comeback last year. They were insane. They need to be that for this team. This team needs you more now than ever, right? Things aren't going well. So even if, even if you're going to this game and you don't feel good about it, fake it, man. Fake it till you make it. We need all the false enthusiasm in that, in that stadium as we can get. So just that's my challenge to OU fans. Like if you're going to the game, fake it. Even if you're not excited, like even if you're dreading it, even if you're worried about what could happen, the team doesn't know if you're faking it. They just need that energy. They need that backing now more than ever. So please make some noise because the team needs it, man. They do. They do. And, you know, I said it last year right after the, the game was over, and I still believe it. I think the crowd was the deciding factor last year. They, they willed our team to victory, and, and there's no doubt that they need that now more than ever. So. Yeah, go down, have a couple beverages, get loose, get loud, and uh, see if you can impact a football game. Yeah, okay, before we, we talk about things to watch for and before our man Fozzie Whitaker helps us, you know, talk about Texas a little bit, you had the coach's show earlier this week with BV. Anything he said that kind of stood out to you? I'm Nothing really individually. I just – I liked his – I liked his attitude. I liked a, a lot of the things that he said. I, you know, didn't make any excuses, but at the same time, like they they uh they fully understand the challenge. They they know what they've got to do better. They're on the guys. The guys are like there. There hasn't been any quit. Haven't turned on each other. Haven't turned on the coaching staff. Like is as bad as it's been, and everyone up there's hurting. There's no doubt about it. But you know. As of right now, it's still a still a tight group, ready to continue on and and keep getting better. So, uh, you know, I I feel good about where they're at, like mentally moving forward. I I don't know necessarily how that's going to translate onto the field, but I feel like they've 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 got a team that's still ready to press on, continue trying to get better. So, yeah, I I think his his attitude was was good. Good. It's good to hear. All right. Let's get into our, our things to watch for bro. You Texas. Let's start with when OU's defense is on the field, Texas's offense is on the field. What are you watching for Ted? What challenges does Texas present offensively? A lot of challenges. They're, they're pretty good. I like this offense. I like their, the style that they run. Um, some really good stuff. A lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends out there. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what, you know, what kind of style they adopt against us. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, because of their, their good skill group, they're able to kind of morph a little bit from game to game or what they're going to really, uh, you know, um, be in the most right, personnel wise and kind of stylistically, but a lot of 12 personnel, uh, They'll run some misdirection stuff. They'll get you on boot out of 12 personnel, a lot of split zone stuff. Uh, you know, they, they do a, they pull their offensive linemen a lot. Um, they'll do some crack toss stuff where they get the, the tackle out and they'll even pull the center uh, from that as well. 
they'll run um oh they'll run a, a front side play to where you you've got the you g it with the front side guard and also pull the backside guard uh, and try and get those guys out in front just to tr- to create some extra gaps out there and they'll run that uh, oddly enough out of uh, split action which is weird to see someone run split zone and and do that with it on the front side uh pulling both guards out and and getting in front um they'll run some split back stuff uh which is interesting they got two good running backs um they'll get in some bunch and do some different things bunch wise like i mentioned crack toss they got some route progressions out of it uh as well some of your basic stuff uh they they run a lot of high low schemes in the passing game and they get to it a bunch of different ways uh when you're in zone they're going to run something underneath to grab the attention of the uh, of the underneath players, and then they're going to run the deep digs and deep crossers in behind it. And uh, they build those routes a bunch of different ways. Uh, you're going to get a lot of max protection and two receiver routes out of 12 personnel. Uh, play action, keep everyone in. Um, you know, you may get a tight end or a back out late if it's uh, if it's just a straight rush and not a blitz, but they'll go two man routes and run double moves. They'll run double posts. They'll run uh, all kinds of different combinations with those guys and give really good protection and, and just uh, let those guys go to work on the back end. Um, You know, one thing that they do is, you know, I I call like a non-standard play, right? Drop back pass, uh, like traditional run game, and like the bubbles and tunnels, that's what I would call a, like a, um, like just like a, a regular play, a traditional play, standard play. But they don't shift a lot. But whenever they do shift, they almost always run a non-standard play behind it. Uh, something that is a little bit different than what you're typically going to get. Um whether it's a whether it's a, a trick play, a gadget play, or just like some of like your double move stuff, like they're trying to they're trying to change the the window, the view for the defense for for a particular reason. They don't just shift like a lot of offenses. They just shift to start off like that's that's what they do. They just come up, they shift, and then they get into what they're going to do. Texas is very deliberate about it, so. Any, at least up until now, anytime you have a shift pre-snap, you need to keep your antenna up that something non-standard is, is about to come. That doesn't mean it's going to be some wild trick play. It's just something that's a little bit out of the ordinary that you, that you get on standard down at distances. I think they got excellent skill position, guys. We know Bijan Robinson is great. Whittington is great. Uh, Xavier Worthy is great. You know, it's... Um, and I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. You know, everyone's saying Quinn Ewers, and they're kind of pounding the table for Quinn Ewers, but I'm looking at Hudson Card and the way he played against West Virginia, and, you know, I almost feel like you've got to roll with him while you've got him playing the way that he is, um, you know, but because you've only seen a little bit of Quinn Ewers. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think Hudson Card is, is in a good spot. He's good enough to to do some things with his legs, with his athletic ability, but he's not going to kill you in the running game, which is going to come as a as a welcome. Both he and Quinn Ewers in the running game, not great, not anywhere close to what you get out of Adrian Martinez or Max Duggan. So, 
um, watch me say that. And that's, that's how we end up getting, getting beat. But you know, those, either one of these quarterbacks are not really close to uh, the athlete that, that the last two quarterbacks we've played are. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I I'm interested to see what the game plan is, see how we, we play to 12, see how we play to 11. We're going to go three man front, four man front, switch it up. I, pro- I bet we'll probably be multiple, but um, it's, it's a very, very good offense. I like what they've done. And right now they're coming off of a really good game against West Virginia. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Xavier Worthy is the best wide receiver that OU's played. Bijan Robinson is the best running back OU has played. Uh, JT Sanders is the best tight end OU has played. They've got absolute weapons at the skill position. So as I watch their offense, it's pretty simple for me. OU's defensive line has to dominate the game. The offensive line is still the weak point for uh, for Texas's offense, and you got a couple true freshmen, and in particular, and I I know if I see it, BV and Ted Roof see it. You got to attack the right guard, Cole Hudson, true freshman. The guy is struggling, right? And uh, I mean, he's a true freshman starting in the interior of the offensive line. Like that is. That's not easy, but whatever you got to do, I, I don't care if you're odd front, even front, you got to pick on 54 at right guard. You absolutely have to. Like if I'm designing pressures for the game, I'm putting that guy in conflict. Like that's, I'm attacking that guy. And yep. that's mean, but that's, it's just the way you got to do it, man. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. And I, to me, the the even front is the best way to do that. Agreed. You know, if, if you go odd, you kind of leave him uncovered where he's he's probably going to be a little more comfortable. I'd probably run an even front, and anytime I've got a nose to his side, I probably G it, which is to put him like a inside eye. So, yeah, uh, and and I imagine that's exactly what they're going to do is is build some of those pressures and show some of those looks. Like anytime that you've 
you've got a free opportunity. If you're a backer, you get up there and show in the B gap uh, and draw his attention and try and, and try and make things, uh, you know, chaotic for him up there. So, yeah, and I agree. I think the offensive line is, is, is definitely the weakness. And they, that's why I think they do so much max protect. You know, they just max pro it and let, you know, Whittington and Xavier Worthy on two receiver routes go out there and go to work on some DBs. Yeah, and Xavier Worthy has gone to work, man. He mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's spectacular. He's he's the best route runner I've seen on tape this year. There's no doubt. A um, couple other things for their offense. Clearly, tackling Bijan is, like, we, we've talked a lot about guys leveraging things properly uh, in the defense, playing their gaps properly. You mentioned all of the window dressing in the backfield. Like there's stuff going like three different ways. So Aguebu, Stutzman, any other guy that gets in there at inside backer, like it's going to be a huge challenge. There, there's no doubt, but you just got to sort it all out. You got to be in the right spots because five will turn your lights out, man. He is, he's even better than he was last year. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a spectacular running back. Yep. He's good. And you know, you got to give they're going to give him they're going to get him the football a bunch of easy ways in space and know that you are accounting for it but you got to finish the play and you got to bring him down to the ground which is far easier said than done and you know just in the West Virginia game they did it a couple of different times and they've got him absolutely dead to rights and and some West Virginia players just come up and absolutely like whiff on him and it's almost like he's done such a good job for the last three years that I think guys panic because some of the stuff that he did and that they missed against West Virginia, it's like if you took number five off of his jersey and put another number on there, you would just think it's a run-of-the-mill running back that the West Virginia is just coming up and, and totally whiffing on. Um, not good plays. I think guys get a little bit enamored with it instead of just making the smooth, smart play. Uh, we got to avoid that. You know, you got to use angles and you got to use leverage and don't get head up on him. If you miss him, okay, but force him back to the numbers. One last thing, and this this did not go well against TCU. It's got to be better for Oklahoma's defense. All the quick screens. The bubbles, uh, the swing screens, uh, they do some of that out of 12 personnel, which I really like. Kind of throw the swing screen. You got two tight ends out in front yep. blocking kind of out of that uh, that out tight bunch. bunch. Mm-hmm. It's good. And Steve Sarkeesian, he does, he does all this stuff in the backfield just to throw the ball in the flat and give athletes the ball in space. And they're going to do it until OU proves they can stop it. Whether it's Bijan, Worthy, Whittington, hell, they may throw it to the big tight end Sanders, who is clearly a big athletic dude. They are going to, they're going to test OU early and often, right? We all remember the first play of the game last year, right? Xavier Worthy, 75 yards to the house. That that's something OU's gonna have to prove that they can stop in this game, or else. Hudson Card, Quinn Ewers, it won't matter. They're just going to keep throwing those. Yep. Well, and 
here's the beauty of it, in my opinion, defensively. That play for an offense is it's the easiest thing that they can do, right? It's stress-free for them. It's an easy completion, right? You just you just turn, you throw it, and let a couple of guys go to work. So defensively, I the way you kill that play is with effort, attitude, and physicality. I it should you should take that play as a slap in the face that they would have the 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 gall to run that on you. It should be an all-out assault from the inside out. Outside guy, you're getting blocked by a wide receiver. They're the shittiest blockers on the team. That's what they are. They're skinny. They don't want to do it. You just you hit them in the face and throw them to the ground. The safety at, at, at the top, you just come in with all-out leverage, right? You, you come in fast. You come in with the right angle. And everyone else on the team from the box has to turn and run as hard as they can. And you force it back inside and you make them pay. You stick your helmet right on their hip. You stick your helmet right in their ribs. You make every wide receiver on that team say, don't run that shit whenever I'm in there. Do not throw me the football on the bubble again. I ain't running it. And after you tattoo them a couple of times, wide receivers, they don't want to block and they don't want to get hit. So they're going to just try to keep it outside and they're going to go down as soon as someone touches them because they don't want the 290-pound DN to come and put his helmet right inside their gut. Like That's how you beat that play. You don't beat it by turning and jogging and seeing if a, a DB out on the island can make that play by himself. You kill that play with effort and physicality and attitude. That's the only way you stop it, or they'll run it forever. It's, exactly. like, the old, it's like the old ISO, right? People used to always come out, and on the first series, they're going to run ISO, and they're going to see how the mic backer and the two inside guys are going to handle it. They're going to see, do you have the guts to come up, up in there and crack you know, have that big collision with the fullback, stuff it up. Like if they see any weakness, any sign of hesitation from the backers, guess what? You're getting it all day long. It's the same thing. It's just now they just run it on the outside. Yep. Love it. All right. Uh, anything else? OU's defense, Texas's offense? Nope. All right. OU offense, Texas defense. Should be interesting, man. Now, Texas, they are they are technically a 3-3-5, but very different than the 3-3-5 we saw from TCU. Their third linebacker, Ovia Gofu, he primarily, you know, when the other team is in 11 personnel, which is what OU has majored in all season, he is he's along the line of scrimmage, right? And, you know, they can bounce back and forth between an even front and an odd front, but he is kind of just playing more of a traditional outside linebacker slash DN role for them, and it, it allows them to meet multiple. So you'll see, as you're watching the game, you'll see what looks like four guys along the line of scrimmage. Now, whether they got a guy head up over the center or not, that's kind of where rules change for how for how things are blocked up front. But I know everyone's talking about the quarterback situation. I don't know if Dylan Gabriel is going to play. I haven't asked. 
I, I find it very hard to believe that he'll play with everything that's going on right now, with the discussions, uh, with concussions, with the Tua Tungavailoa situation, with how and OU's you know, always been extra like cautious I, on that and, regard. And anyways. I and and I know that, but it it's always been the same mentality. Like the only game I missed in college was got a concussion against Iowa State. I I said, hey, I'm good to go for Baylor. It was the next week, and they said. We know you're good to go, but we're holding you out. It's the only game I ever missed. And it's uh, that's always kind of been the mentality, and I appreciated that, right? It's always been that this training staff has always put the player and their well-being first uh, over winning games. So I, I'd be really surprised if Dylan Gabriel's out there as OU's quarterback. I don't know anything. But I'm going into this game fully anticipating Davis Bevel being the quarterback. But let me explain something. It does not matter who OU trots out there at QB if the interior of the offensive line does not play well. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you because I'm going to be as clear as I can with this. OU's interior has to play well or they're going to have a very long day offensively. McCade Matoyer, Andrew Rame, Chris Murray, they got to play their best game of the season because Texas's interior defensive line, it's not even close. It's by far the best group that they've played all year long. And these guys can impact games. 99, 98, 93, 90. I think they would all start for Oklahoma. They're good. They're big, they're physical, they get off the rock, they use their hands well. They are good players on the interior. And if if OU's interior of the offensive line doesn't win that battle, all the rest of the stuff we're about to talk about, Ted, doesn't matter, man. Mm-hmm. Because if those guys are collapsing the pocket as pass rushers and making whoever's uh, playing quarterback for OU uncomfortable, it's going to be a long day. If they're getting penetration in the running game, whether you're running gap scheme, zone, man scheme, it don't matter. Penetration kills all running game. Those guys in the interior, they got to buckle up and bring it, man. Bottom line. Yep. No, I agree. And, you know, I've, I've, I've essentially said the same thing. And everyone is all up in arms about who's going to play quarterback if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play and i don't even care if dylan gabriel does play like like that is the least of of our problems over the last two games I mean penalties mental mistakes like there's all kinds not physical play getting beat like those things are the biggest issue that we have right now quarterback i know he's got the ball in his hands on every snap and Ultimately, you've got to have good quarterback play, but uh, we are we are far from placing the blame, win, lose, or draw on whoever plays quarterback. Right, we have a ton of other things to worry about, and I, I totally agree. Interior going to have to be tough, like the offensive line, and you can say this about every position group. We all understand that, but specifically the offensive line has to have their best game that they've had this season by far. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No doubt. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. And with that in mind, I do think perimeter run game is the way to go. Right. I think that's where you're going to find the most success. Um, I think their edge guys, 88, 18, they are, they're just guys, in my opinion. Right. I really like the interior guys that they've got along that defensive line. I think the edge players are okay. So we we've seen Levy dial up, you know, that that G pull on the front side, backside tight end in the wing, kind of leading around. They found money with that. They've they've created good lanes with that. We saw some good GT counter stuff last week that's hitting kind of wide, which which they've had some success with. Interested to see if they can run outside zone worth a shit in, in this game. But I, I think perimeter runs, right? Attacking the edges of the defense is the way to go. Um, stay away from the strength of that defensive line for Texas, which is the interior. But you know, one thing, one main thing I'm watching, right? Let's say it is Davis Bevel, right? Uh, I know a lot of the fan base throw Nick Evers out there. Let's see him. Okay. I We'll see. But whoever it is, this, this environment is unlike anything, anybody, even if it is Dylan Gabriel, it's this environment will be unlike anything any of these quarterbacks have ever stepped into. It's just the reality of the situation. So how is Jeff Levy going to get the QB some, what I like to call layups early? I mean, place is going to be nuts, right? Whoever's out there is going to be nervous as hell. How does Levy get them into a rhythm early in the football game? How does he get Bevel going, oh, yeah, I can throw it and they'll catch it. And, okay, yeah, this is just a game, right? Settle down. And is it is it rhythm throws with some of the quick stuff, some of the bubbles, like some, you know, some swing screen stuff to Eric Gray or or any of the running backs? Like maybe that's it. But something they got to do a few things to get Bevel settled into the game, and that that puts a big emphasis on wide receiver blocking out on the edges. But you got to get some simple stuff for him early to make him realize it's just a football game. I know that this place is nuts. The scene's incredible, like, but you got to get him something that just settles him down and gets him in rhythm and just lets him relax. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, you know, uh, a quick little quarterback run game play, whether it's, you know, a a zone read, just a, a zone read or, run the quarterback power, something to where you carry the football, you take a, a, you know, a couple of hits and you just settle into the game. Right. And you, I don't know how many times you've heard a a quarterback or someone say, like, I was nervous and butterflies until that first hit. And then I was fine. And that's how it is. And the same thing, I, I agree with the rhythm in the, in the passing game, 
And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is find Drake Stoops in the slot, let him run that little hook up and just, you know, hit him in the chest with the football and let him go. I mean, that's that just kind of build, build him up that way. I, I totally agree. And, you know, if it is, if Gabriel doesn't play, I also think that offensively, we have to do some other things to generate a spark, you know, whether it's like some of the double pass stuff, like you don't live in it, but you're going to have to do some other things, like find easy ways to get Marvin Mims, the football, like if it's just on, on a reverse or the touch pass stuff, or, um, you know, just anything that you can do that is a, a non-standard play that Texas is going to have to see it once or twice before they can really figure out how exactly they want to defend that and just to take some of the pressure off the quarterback. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, other things to watch for with OU's offense. How are they going to attack Texas's corners? Ryan Watts, number six. That's a big corner, man. 6'3", over 200 pounds, like that's a big guy. And then you've got Deshaun Jameson, smaller guy, definitely twitchier, but super aggressive with some things. So knowing that, man, let's see if Mims can run by Watts. Let's formate some things, get our best on their big corner, and let's see if he can run by him. I want to see that matchup. I want to see them test him. And let's just see. And then whether it's Stoops or Farouk, we've seen both of those guys run some really nice double moves this season. Even Theo Weiss, man, he's had some nice ones as well. Now the ball hadn't come his way sometimes on him, but he's had some nice routes as well. Like, so let's see if those guys can take advantage of Deshaun Jameson's aggressiveness out there at corner. Like the guy, he loves picking the ball off. Uh, I mean, that's his thing. Like, he loves jumping routes. Take advantage of it, man, because now it's up to Bevel or whoever to get a, get the wide receivers the rock in those situations. But, man, you have to attack these corners. I, I think you have to attack them differently because of their different, uh, their different skill sets. But you got to test them, man. You absolutely have to test them. Yep. No, I totally agree with that. My biggest concern about that, though, is like if you're double moving, you got to protect it. Yep. You got to give that quarterback time, and you know we'll see how Bevel does if it, if it's him and and how accurate he can be. But I know this: the dude has an absolute cannon, and he can he can let that thing fly down the field. And there's nothing better to get a quarterback's confidence going than to hit on a deep ball. So I totally agreed. You know, our, I think I think our deep attack is the strength of our offense. The problem is we have not been good enough in all the other aspects to be able to do it enough because we are not good enough offensively right now to be able to afford getting off schedule, right? And that's a low percentage shot. So anytime Lebby wants to do it, it's like you're risking getting in second 10. And I we have just, we have been terrible whenever we don't get a nice chunk on first down. So it's been one of those frustrating things for him, but you're going to have to take some calculated risks in this game. Yeah. I'm with you now. Uh, a few boring pass protection things that I'd like to make everyone aware of. And the Sooners have not done a lot of empty this year. Right. But 
said Texas's empty check has been to bring pressure. And mostly it's with Overshone, number zero. And if you know that, and if you can find out early, you can create some good matchups. Now, Bevel or whoever has to know where he's protected in empty protection. He's got to know where the offensive line is working. But if you can block the pressure up, you're going to have some one-on-ones, especially at the running back position. Like if you're motioning him out of the backfield, you're going to have one-on-one with Eric Gray and Jaron Thompson, their safety. I mean, it's what they've shown. Now, maybe they maybe they adjust, right? This game, that, that can be happening. But if you can find out early what that's going to look like, you can create some easy matchups that you probably feel really good about in the passing game if you go empty. Now, I know going empty with an inexperienced quarterback, uh, maybe not the best idea, but you, you can't call plays scared. Like you got to have confidence in these guys. So I, I don't know. It's just something that stood out to me on tape. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if that's, that's also something that you know that they're going to do. I love like a quarterback trap or something against something in empty, um, especially if they're going man, man to man behind it. And you can find out a way to leverage all of those guys up front and get good blocking and, and, and get him through you kind of unscathed into the secondary. That's something to do as well. But no, I, I totally agree. Anytime you, we can get Eric Gray one-on-one with the backer or safety type, you got to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. And, and then one more thing. OU's, they're, they're going to be in third and six plus several times in this game, right? That's just how it kind of works in football. And Texas will show all kinds of guys up at the line of scrimmage. They'll do some walk-around stuff with the backers. The identification has to be clear from the offensive line. Who are the five guys you're working to? Who are the down guys? Who are the other two you're working to? There cannot be any secrets. It's going to be loud, but you need to make it crystal clear for backs, tight ends, whoever, who you are working to. That has to be clearly communicated. And it's not easy because, you know, on when it's third and long, the Texas fans are going to be making noise. But you have to get all of that sorted out before you snap the football. And then after you snap the football, set off the ball. If you do not set off the ball, it has been proven. They will pick you. And a guy will come clean as a looper with all the games they do. And they're good at them. They're good at them. You must set off the ball. You must all be on the same level. If you do not do that, you are screwed. The elaborate games are coming. And if you do not, if you guys are not all on the same level and on the same page, you will be picked and the quarterback will get sacked. So it's that simple. Like there's a lot there. You don't want to be in third, six. Or, or more third and six or more. I understand that, but you know, what is coming. Identify it, get back off the ball, sort it all out, pass it all off. And if you do that, you can gash them in the pass game. I know it's a lot to ask, but it's got to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to happen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that just kind of reminded me of something. Whenever you were talking about the communication, I think for this game, 
especially if Dylan Gabriel's not playing, but even if he is, we need to scrap the tempo stuff. At least, at least for the most part, later in a drive, if you've gotten two or three first downs and you want to hit the gas, like maybe whenever you cross the 50-yard line on a, on a, after a big play on first down, okay. But it has not been an asset for us. It has, I think, been a, a net negative. And until we're better blocking, until we're better communicating all the things that we need to do at the line of scrimmage and get guys on the same page, I think we need to scrap it. We need to help our defense out a little bit. They're struggling. We have way too many three, four, and five play drives, way too many drives of under like two minutes. We've, we've got to be able to sustain some possession. I hear you. I, I don't know if they're going to do that because just kind of against the philosophy that Levy's got, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it also may help Bevel out right where he can sit he can see the defense he can process things he can take a little bit to gather himself all that stuff but i don't know i don't know that's that's an interesting point man it really is all right let's get you, to call do your you shot think it's helped we us just, though say that again do you think the tempo has helped us no i i think i think you got to be able to play fast you got to be able to play slow i've always I, I like tempo when after you get the first first down I'm not a fan of tempo like, hey, you gained two yards on first down. All right, let's snap it real quick. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but and, and I think tempo is best used as a change-up. Change-up. Yeah. Like, whenever you constantly play fast, like, the defense is, like, they've been processing it like that the whole game. It's It doesn't become an advantage. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, that That's a really interesting point, though. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys for your boldest predictions for OU Texas. And Ted, let me just tell you, there are some, oh boy, some of the fan base, not in a good place heading into this game. But I liked this one. It comes from Vance on Twitter, who says, since it's Halloween season, the defense channels the spirits of the 2001 defense. And it comes down to the Superman part, duh play to ice a wind boomer i love vance's energy let's go hey i i'm down with that whatever 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 team we need to channel uh i i'm 100 behind it yeah let's let's play some good solid defense man and that's the biggest thing to me you're not you don't necessarily need anything special you just cannot give them free stuff you cannot give texas free plays either offensively or defensively I'm with you. And this last one comes from, um, not sure on Twitter who says the legend of R Mason Thomas starts at the red river rivalry, three sacks, two forced fumbles, one safety and a touchdown. My God, that is bold. Yeah. That'll do it right there. And I, I just hope we get him back. Like, I don't know what his status is going to be. I think he's had that hamstring um for several weeks now and hopefully he's back get in that rotation you know he he does bring some good things off the edge and you know we've been lacking in the pass rush department for the last couple of weeks yeah it's just hard to expect a guy that's missed time a guy that's a true freshman right a guy that wasn't even in uniform 
didn't even travel last week to all of a sudden go out there, be healthy enough to be, you know, to have a dominant performance. I mean, that's asking a lot of a true freshman. He's probably going to be a situational player if he's even healthy and ready. Yeah. So I, I, I like, um, not sure, but I'm kind of, um, not sure about that bold <laughs> prediction. <laughs> All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy seventh birthday to Rylan Kentner. Happy 10th birthday to Shaddix Riggle. Shaddix. What a name. That's awesome. Like that. Happy 17th birthday to Aubrey Hudkins. Happy 19th birthday to Nick Ripple. Happy 21st birthday to Addison Ragland. Happy 30th birthday to Elena Franklin. Happy 34th birthday to Tyler Steele. Happy 36th birthday to Dr. Jalal Varga. Happy birthday to Jacob Ott. Happy birthday to Dr. Jeff Potts. Happy birthday to Janelle. No last name, just Janelle. All right. Happy Physician Associate Day to Jamie Teeter and Gannon Gill. Nice. And Ted, I try to I try to take the requests as they come and please the listeners. This is a first. We're gonna do it. Shout out to David Naro. It's the one year anniversary of his passing. Hmm. Well, um, David's going to be rooting the Sooners on up there in heaven, man. Come on, David. We, we need we you. absolutely need it. And, um, uh, sorry to hear that. And I hope everyone, friends, relatives take it well. Yep. All right. Let's get a little more on the. So you Texas game with our man, Fozzie Whitaker, but first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. The coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. People, stop at Loves on your way to Dallas. No matter where you're coming from, there's one in every direction. Send us a picture. Tweet it to us. At OK underscore breakdown. We want to see you at Loves. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery, soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. 
There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, here he is. Here's Fozzie Whitaker. It is our pleasure to be joined by a former Texas running back legend. He also played a long time in the NFL. Fozzie Whitaker is in the house. Foz, what's going on, man? Man, nothing much. I was listening to you guys' show uh, last night, actually, uh, your coach's show. I'm trying to get that designation of being the consensus academic all-American. <laughs> <Wait, what? laughs> yeah, the, the voice of the center is Toby Rowland, who is the best in the business. He is combined because I was a consensus all-American and then I was academic all-American of the year. He's kind of combined it just all into one, and it's it's fine. It's fine. Well, yeah. Well, I'm still trying to get to that status, even though I'm out of eligibility. So I'm, I'm still trying. But it's, it's a good day, man. Uh, Red River Rivalry Week happening. Uh, I'm just excited. I hear the buzz around Austin, uh, around the entire state, man. You, you already know what, what week it is. It, it's just uh, truly fun to be back in this environment. I wish I could go and, and see y'all in person and see the game in person, but uh, y'all know LHN keeps us on set here in Austin, but uh, it'll be truly still a, a fun environment. And, uh, you know, the game never loses its luster, no matter what the records are for these two teams. Well, we've got a two-loss team here in Norman, and the fan base thinks we're the worst team in all of college football, <laughs> and but we're probably going to go three and nine. Uh, you've got a two-loss team there. What's the feeling? It does. It feels like there's a big difference between how these two teams feel right now, even though the record's the same. Yeah, in, in the Austin area, it's, it's it's definitely some hesitancy. You know, you, it's, it's one of those things where you get into a relationship and and then, you know, that person breaks your heart or that person does something that, you know, you disapprove of. And then all of a sudden they start showing signs of improvement and they're doing the right thing. And then it comes back and they do that thing again. And you're like, I, I thought we were past this. And that was kind of the feeling whenever Texas lost to Texas Tech a couple of weeks ago. We were like, OK, you know, you lose one point to Alabama, had the game won. Uh, with that final kick and then obviously they go down and drive and score and you're like okay you know this team looks drastically different from you know what we looked at last season you know they look like they had gone through marriage counsel per se with the relationship that they're in and then now all of a sudden you come back in Texas Tech you lose the double digit lead kind of in the same fashion that you lost the double digit leads uh, in last year and you're like wait a minute this is the person that we were trying to get away from and yet and still this person still you know finds a way to make their image here so now we're back on the men's you see them perform against West Virginia and it's a performance that you think this is the Texas team we know this is the the person that I wanted to get into into a relationship with a marriage with uh but now there's that sense of hesitancy like is this still going to be the same team that shows up this weekend or is it going to look a little bit similar to the second half of what Texas Tech looked like? And so that's where the, the kind of vibe that I've experienced in Austin right now is like, which team is going to show up a little bit of that Jekyll and Hyde effect, if you ask me. So uh, looking at this game offensively for the Longhorns, a uh, lot being made of what is going to happen at the quarterback position. What's your expectation 
for the quarterback position in this game? I truly believe Quinn Ewers probably will get the start. I don't know for a fact. I haven't even heard uh, from from anybody that he will. Just my thought process was after he was injured against Alabama, uh, the following week he was throwing passes uh, uh, in warm up for against UTSA, and it was like, whoa, this injury probably is not as severe as I thought it was because he's actually in pregame warm up throwing passes. And then he does that again the following week against Texas Tech in Lubbock. And then last week he does it once more against West Virginia, goes through the full pregame process, looks really good. Now, obviously, you never know how well an injury like that will uh, impact you. Hit on it. I'm sure he hasn't been hit since uh, he was injured against Alabama. But I think if you want to put your best foot forward, which Steve Sarkeesian has already kind of made note that Quinn Ewers gives them the best opportunity to win. Uh, I think you start him if he's pretty much healthy. And I don't know if um, if he was sustained throughout the entire day, that that'd be a different thing of uh, getting into a, a situation where he does come out. But the best part about it is you got a guy that just threw for career high in passing yardage, career high in touchdown passes in a game and a career high in number of completions in Hudson card. So even if Quinn Ewers does go out, you got a very capable backup quarterback that has shown he can win you games and do it at a high level. He's looked good. Uh, I, I thought the, that game against West Virginia, he looked really sharp, made some really nice throws. Uh, he missed a, missed a handful of them. But mm-hmm. uh, how do you expect, if any way, the offense to look different under Hudson Card than it does under Quinn Ewers? Like, is there, is there anything that you think that they would change up with the given quarterback at the, at the helm? I think early on uh, we could see that effect, especially in Alabama, whenever Quinn Ewers went down uh, the offense identity changed to, you know, we got to ride the back of Bijan a little bit more uh, because Hudson card, you know, was just coming in. He hadn't had, uh, you know, playing time against Alabama up to that point. And then obviously Hudson card gets banged up with the ankle injury. And so the identity of the offense literally changed quick and so I think what Hudson Card has shown over the past two weeks against Lubbock uh, or against Texas Tech in Lubbock and then obviously against West Virginia this past weekend it was a semblance of what Steve Sarkeesian likes to do on scripted plays on making adjustments after halftime he loves to be able to throw the ball and be aggressive and Hudson Card has shown uh, that aggressive nature now second half of Texas Tech it didn't go out the way that you probably wanted it to, but second half against West Virginia, uh, Steve Sarkeesian kept on that aggressive nature and uh, it kind of showed up late in the game. And so I don't see much of a game plan change now with kind of the confidence and the belief that, that Sark has in Hudson Card, whether it's Hudson or Quinn uh, at the quarterback position. I think he feels comfortable that he can call uh, whatever plays he has scripted up to be able to execute them. Uh, and both quarterbacks can come in and, and make the throws and make the plays. How how has the O line been? Right, starting a couple of freshmen. Yeah. Uh, Banks at left tackle's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I've been less impressed with Hudson at right guard. Uh, yeah. He's going through some you know some growing pains, right? But you got two true freshmen playing along that offensive line. How they played with what you've seen so far? Yeah. The most interesting aspect of it with those two true freshmen, I thought there would be a lot more growing pains, honestly, uh, just in in general. Uh, the offensive line played last year was not very good. 
I expected it to be a little more similar to that same kind of feeling this year. Uh, but they've actually shown improvement. And, and I think it's more so because of the stability that Kelvin Banks has added from the left tackle position. Uh, Hudson has been going through the ringer right now, man. I, I can say, especially against Texas Tech, man, those guys, Tony Bradford Jr., y'all know how good he is. Uh, Tyree Wilson was on him a couple times as well. The, like Those are studs. And then obviously you get Dante Steele's coming in, uh, Taj Austin this past weekend. Like He experienced some lumps and bruises uh, at that right guard position. But what I can say is uh, he's still been in a position where he's looking promising, right? It's still still areas improvement, but I, I can see some of the promise. And as a whole, collectively, this offensive line has performed better in the past game. In the run game, there's way too much leakage, way, way too much leakage. So that has been a step back from a season ago. Uh, but it, it's still kind of on par, statistically speaking, with what Bijan has been able to do from a standpoint of yards per carry. That's just how great Bijan is, because literally from the time that he has contacted, Texas is less than a yard from what that <laughs> area of contact is. So they're giving up a ton of pressure and not being able to dominate the line of scrimmage from a run game perspective, but from a pass game perspective, I've seen significant improvement. So it's 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 above schedule, ahead of schedule from where I predicted this offensive line to be at in comparison to where they were a year ago. How about defensively? You know, it's it seems like last year it um, it kind of fell apart there throughout the mm -hmm. season, and this year, you know, they've had some really nice performances. Looked really good against West Virginia. Um, obviously had that, that really solid game against Alabama, against the top-level offense. Where do yeah. you think they are right now getting close to the midpoint of the season? That has been the, the most drastic improvement that I've seen in any area of this uh, Texas football team. And, and we know defensively last year that was the calling card of any team beating Texas. It was because they were going to crumble and fold in the second half. And part of that is two-part. It's complementary football. The offense would struggle go three and out, and then the defense was out there for, you know, 100 plays is the case uh, this past couple of weeks ago against Texas Tech, where offense struggles and then defense is out there. Eventually, they get gassed, down, gassed and worn down. Uh, but this year, outside of that Texas Tech game, man, the defense has performed solid. And one of the goals that Coach PK, Pete Kwiatkowski, has made known is that he want to hold opponents under 20 points, to 20 points or less. Um, and for majority of the games this year, they've been actually able to do that. Uh, and they've done it by being a little bit more aggressive. Now, they have a bend but don't break philosophy, um, which seems weird because that's not the type of word that you would use whenever you start talking about being aggressive. But I think whenever I'm talking about the aggressive nature of what this defense looks like is the sound mindset that each of these linebackers have Jalen Ford the leading tackler in the big 12 and DeMarvin Overshone uh, we know how talented he is as a skilled position player uh, and then this defensive line they don't have necessarily the sack numbers to kind of attribute the amount of uh, pressure they've been able to manufacture and create but uh, PK has been very aggressive in getting after the quarterback they boost the quarterbacks on more percentages uh, than they ever had a season ago. Uh, they're causing more pressure uh, than they were able to last year. And in, in, in turn, they're actually getting more sacks than what they did last year. Uh, but it just seems more aggressive. Uh, they also seem to gel and mesh together. Uh, there's been turnover. 
you got new safeties. You got, like I said, Jalen Ford stepping into that opposite role for DeMarvin Overshawn. Uh, you got people up front, Baron Sorrell's trying to create a name for himself and starting to show some consistency. Uh, Jada Barron's move positions. He's now in that nickel star position that's uh, been very big for him to be able to make plays, but they're playing aggressively uh, and, and not necessarily playing the bamba don't break all the way down the field, but you get around midfield, we know that's whenever those blitz packages start to become a factor. And that's where PK has had some success in, in holding opponents under 20 points or, or less. So looking at, you know, kind of the body of the work, uh, the body of work of the defense so far this season, has there, has there been anything they've really struggled with Fozzie that, that has kind of been, you know, they've been exposed with? Yeah. Well, Texas tech, definitely that fourth down, uh, you look at their fourth down percentage, they are last in the big 12. Whenever you're talking about, uh, opposing offenses converting on fourth down in West Virginia again they went three and five uh, three out of five on fourth down percentages uh, six of eight for West Virginia the week prior that's a, a big kind of calling card of this defense has to find a way to get off the field and that's part of that bend but don't break philosophy is uh, you know you kind of give up those short passes and then you hope your defense can come up and rally um, and then whenever you got to be aggressive, you got to be aggressive. But that man coverage is something that I want to see more of on those third and mid or third and short uh, kind of ranges to be able to get off the field and force either a sack or a turnover. And so this defense just hasn't been able to do that on a consistent clip is get off the field. They, they're getting to fourth down, but then they're not getting off of the field on fourth down. So I would love to see some more consistency and improvement. Uh, from that area. And I would love to see more turnovers happening because uh, that ultimately can change the momentum and the trajectory of a game. And it gives your offense, uh, obviously, another possession. So you got guys like Bijan and Xavier Worthy and uh, Jatavian Sanders, you give them an opportunity to handle the ball an, an, another time. Uh, you know, only good things should come from that with the way that they've played and shown their offensive prowess. So getting off the field on third and fourth down is probably my biggest area of concern for this defense at the moment. What, what's your, what's your feeling with the mindset of the team? You know, the, the, one of the big concerns has to be giving up the leads in the second oh, yeah. half. Um, you know, this game last year with Sarkeesian had, had that big lead felt really good and Oklahoma chipped away at it and, and finally came out with that win. Um, and we've seen that happen a couple of times since then, uh, giving up that, that second half lead. You Knowing that Oklahoma's down, um, like, do, you, do you expect this team to come in on edge? Do you expect them to come in confident? Like, like, what do you think the feeling is right now with the team coming into this game? I do expect them to have a little edge and confidence about themselves. Um, they, they obviously know uh, 21 points is not enough to be able to, to, to take Oklahoma out of any game. And so you look at, you know, what they did a season ago, and that is a learning experience that obviously a lot of these players that are still on the roster, uh, they know what it felt like. They know what it meant. And then they know what trajectory that had on the rest of their season. If you can recall, Texas went on a six-game losing streak, starting with that loss to Oklahoma. And it was literally because of the fashion that they lost it in, going up 21 points, scoring all those points, leading at halftime, and then all of a sudden folding and crumbling. That became the calling card and the staple of what Texas was to look like over the next seven weeks. And so they finally got a win at the end against Kansas State. 
but that identity, it, it took hold of Texas all stemming from what took place in Dallas against Oklahoma. So I think whenever you look at kind of what's at stake for the team now, they got to have confidence. They got to have the swagger. But at the same time, you know, in the back of your mind, that doubt creeps in. It was like, man, we was here, you know, last year and we had this game or we thought we had this game. And then all of a sudden our season went from a four and one season to a five and seven season. So uh, that's a huge transition, 180 degree transition uh, from what that impact had on that team a year ago. And I think this year uh, there's been several instances where shown halftime they can win with the lead but then they've also shown at halftime that they can lose with the lead and that happened in the Alabama and the Texas Tech game Texas winning at half and find a way to lose it at the end of the game so there's still some of that doubt that creeps in but I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian kind of said it best after the Texas Tech game he said that um, in order to create the confidence and continue to instill it into the players they have to go out and do it and they have to do it over and over again so that they know how to do it, number one. But then number two, they feel more confident in doing it because they've done it before. Uh, and then you see against West Virginia and you saw it against UTSA. Um, you know, they have the lead against West Virginia. They're tied up at halftime against UTSA and they find a way to put up points in the second half and really put the game away. So they're starting to do it. And you see both sides of they've done it well. Uh, and then they haven't done it, and which is why the team is three and two right now. But I think uh, the confidence that they'll be able to get uh, from the win against West Virginia is, is something that they shouldn't take lightly and something that they should, you know, try to use and create momentum off of because we know how big of an impact and significant impact this game can have for the rest of the season. Well, Foz, w- wish you were going to be down there with us, man. I'll I'll eat an extra corn dog and drink it, you know. <laughs> 10 or so extra beers for you, uh, you know, have, have a great time there in the studio with my man Griff and the rest of the Longhorn network crew. Um, we appreciate the time as always, man. Hey Gabe. So I know you are a connoisseur of food too. Have you tried Beach John's mustard? I, I have not. I heard it's really good though. That Andy okay, Staples yeah, told yeah. me it's delicious. So we were talking about, cause I want to get a corn dog and I want to try it. Obviously at the state fair, it'd be a perfect time to try it. I don't know if you can be seen with his mustard at the state fair, but <laughs> I'll try the mustard. I'm not scared. Someone okay. bring me some, t- tell one of your Texas fans to bring me some Bijan mustard. mustard now, right. now I'm not using it till after the game, right? I right, mean, right, right. I'm not putting any juju on the game. You know what I'm right. saying? But I'll, I'll try it. I'm not scared. Fozzie, come on now. I love it. I love it. Well, you're going to have to tell me next week what that tasted like, because I've heard great things. I haven't tasted it myself either, but I've heard great things. And what better way to do it with a Fletcher's corn dog at the state fair. So let me know you and Teddy. Yeah. Let me know. Sounds good to me. I'll try it. No doubt. We'll just wrap it like with some athletic tape or something. No one will know what it is. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Cover it up. Take the label off. You good. (laughs) All right, Foss. Thanks, man. All right, fellas. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. The, Bit of a different vibe for the Longhorns coming in this game. Feel like they're feeling good, unfortunately. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe that's a positive for us. I I feel like one of the big problems with Texas, and not just under Sarkeesian, but, you know, over the last decade or so, is they don't handle success very well. And coming off of a really nice win against West Virginia and everyone telling them that they're going to handle this Oklahoma team fairly easy that that may be a little bit of an edge for us yeah we'll see 
All right, let's preview some of the big games in week six of college football. But first, it's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for tailgating either. Perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's variety pack is out. They got some new flavors in there. They've also got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Week six of college football. Got some good ones, man. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for a couple of these. Let's start with with this one. I cannot believe college game day is going to Lawrence, Kansas, but it is number 17 TCU. Travels to number 19, Kansas. TCU is currently a seven-point road favorite. The environment for this game is going to be fantastic. I mean, Lawrence is going to be absolutely buzzing for this one. However, Kansas' defense, they're going to have to have a repeat performance, just like what they did against Iowa State because. That TCU offense is coming, man. And, and I think I think TCU off, TCU's offense is a little better than what we've seen from Iowa State. Uh, we just saw them in person. Ted, that's going to be a tough challenge for the Jayhawks defense. It, it is. It is. Which, it's crazy. Um, number 17, TCU. Number 19, Kansas. I, the, the OU-Texas game is the only Big 12 uh, matchup this week without a, a ranked team, which is crazy to think about. But I'm I'm totally with you. Uh, I think TCU's offense is – I don't think they're getting the credit that they deserve. Um, now, I know like we made some things really easy for them in that game, but their skill position guys as a group, I – I think you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone better definitely in the Big 12 with the size that they offer, the speed that they offer, uh, the the two guys that they have at running back I think are excellent. Max Duggan's playing out of his mind right now. So I I think TCU wins it, and I I'm just trying to find a way how TCU doesn't win it by multiple scores. and. Who knows, man? Momentum and belief is a hell of a thing. And that for a fan base that hasn't had anything to cheer about for a long time, like 
it's different what you get out of a fan base like that than what you get out of a, a fan base for a team that's usually really good. I, it's going to be insane, and it's going to be majority students. It's going to be wild, going to be in an intense environment. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's that's so cool that they're they're able to host that, but I just I can't find a way to, to see how they beat TCU right now. Yeah, I just – I just think that Kansas's defense is going to be a little overwhelmed by the size and speed of TCU. And let's be real. I mean, Duggan's been great. I mean, it's been great, mm-hmm. but it's kind of my hope that this thing turns into like an old school big 12 shootout. Yeah. Right. That's not what the big 12 is anymore, but it'd be a lot of fun watching Jalen Daniels and, and that Jayhawks offense go up and down the field as well. Like I'm hoping that's what we get uh, just because I want to be entertained, but Iowa state it, that defense really made it tough on Jalen Daniels and that Kansas offense. And, and I, I don't want to say like the blueprint is out there now, but there's no doubt TCU is going to be able to take a look at that film and go, okay, what did they really struggle with? And I, I think that, that's a big advantage for TCU, but Kansas has undoubtedly been the best story in college football and they're going to continue to be a great story, but I don't think this one's going to go very well for them. So I, I I hope I'm wrong and maybe it's special teams, right? You know, special teams has been a big plus so far for TCU with the, you know, the dynamic return game they've got, but maybe they mess up. Right. That that's what won Kansas that game last week against Iowa State. Iowa State's kicker couldn't hit field goals. Like that stuff happens in college football. So maybe that ends up, maybe there's some huge special teams plays in this game that swing it in the Jayhawks' favor. But I just if there aren't those, I just don't see how TCU doesn't win this one comfortably. Yeah, I agree. But like I said, you never know, man, whenever a team's got crazy momentum like Kansas does right now anything could happen and their quarterback is is a guy that can create something out of nothing and does so quite often so I'm excited about it I hope Kansas wins I guess but I don't know I think I think TCU is pretty daggum good I hope TCU wins and their offense looks great because I think it'll make us feel a little better (laughs) right (laughs) Go put up six or 700 yards on Kansas. It'll make us all feel better. All right, next game. Number 11, Utah, travels to the Rose Bowl to take on number 18, UCLA. Utah currently a three-point favorite. We don't talk a ton of Pac-12 on here, but all of a sudden, the Pac-12 has gotten very interesting, right? These teams, uh, the way that USC is playing, Utah has cruised since that Florida loss to start the season and looking at UCLA after a really impressive win that you and I watched together in a hotel room in Fort Worth, I mean, that win over Washington, UCLA has inserted itself in the conversation for who the best team in the PAC 12 is UCLA's offense is fun, man. Dorian Thompson Robinson has been, what is he in like his ninth year of college has been really, really good. Like, it's about time, but he's he's starting to get like some Heisman Trophy buzz, Ted. Yeah, he he looks great. 
and they got some dudes on their team all over the place, some good-looking, big, athletic football players on the line of scrimmage, uh, that, coming off the edge. As we were watching it, we kept going, why don't we have a guy that looks like yeah. that? Who is that guy? Yeah, it's it was it was impressive. I've been sleeping on UCLA, and I think these are the two best teams in the Pac-12. Um, maybe you throw Oregon in there. I, I still... Maybe it's some bias built in, but I'm still not seeing it with USC compared to these other teams. They, these teams are – they're balanced. Both sides of the ball really good. Yeah, looking at UCLA, I mean, if Dorian Thompson-Robinson plays well, this is going to be a fun one, man. Now, Zach Charbonnet, I love him at running back. I think he's going to be a guy that has a long, productive NFL career. Jake Bobo, number nine, I mean, that guy's a monster stud. at wide receiver. He's stud. It looks like uh, like a mix between, I don't know, like Ed McCaffrey and uh, Gronkowski. I don't know. He looks gigantic out there, runs some really good routes and big, physical, got good hands. He's impressive. And in, in the face, he looks exactly like Justin Herbert. <laughs> it's, <laughs> right. it's weird, but Utah Utah's offense has been rolling also. Uh, Cameron Rising. I know he doesn't get a ton of pub, but, man, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football for them. And it's not just with his arm. like He's been doing damage with his legs as well. He's been great. Both of these teams coming into this game running the football well. I I just think when you when you look at this game, whatever team can kind of grind out some drives that can sustain some longer drives, is going to be the team that wins this football game. And I think I trust at this point, I trust Utah to do that a little more. I don't know what type of atmosphere it's going to be at the Rose Bowl. I'm hoping that that fan base shows up for their team. I I have my doubts, but I do think this is going to be a great football game. I'm actually excited to watch this one. Yeah, I'm taking Utah, but I do not feel good about it. Me neither. Um, I, 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 there's just something built in there where I don't trust UCLA, you know, and, you know, for whatever reason, but man, they got some good looking players on that team. Uh, even defensively, man, some big physical, strong guys that can get after the quarterback, but I'll, I will reluctantly take Utah. I like it. Texas A&M travels to Tuscaloosa to take on number one. Alabama. Alabama is currently a 24 point favorite. And you talk about a game that's lost its sizzle, man. My goodness. But I've got faith in the fact that, you know, AM beating Bama last year will make this game fun. Uh, the offseason feud, right? Between Saban and Jimbo, all of that stuff is getting brought off again. That that'll bring some hostility. To this football game, I feel like we all know Alabama is going to win. But the reason we're all going to watch this game, Ted, is because we all want to see how badly they beat AM's ass. Like, I feel like that's why we're all going to be locked into this one. Yep. I, I agree. Um, you never know in college football, but this one, you feel like you feel like everyone there. It, it's not the feeling of a big game where uh, rarely would a team like Alabama 
be as amped up in the stands and the players and the coaches for a game against a, a, a non-top 25 team, already got a couple of losses, not playing great football. But this one, this one's going to mean something to Alabama. And frankly, if I'm a and I'm praying that Bryce Young is playing quarterback because at least you know what you're getting. If they put the Milrow kid back there, uh, and he's going to be running all over the field because Bryce Young's not going like, to – he doesn't scramble that much. He can, but he doesn't do it that much. Jalen Milrow is going to be running all over the field, and that is a disaster to try and defend that. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see if Bryce Young plays. Sounds like he's healthy enough to play with the shoulder, but I wouldn't be stunned if – Saban trots out Jalen Milrow and goes, okay, let's add some QB run game. You know, let's add some more RPO stuff. You know, let's put you out on the edges of the defense. Like it could be a nightmare for Texas A&M's defense. And speaking of nightmares, I, I'm not sure a and is going to score a point in this game. I think Will Anderson, that Bama defense I think that group's going to want to send a message. And they've been good so far this year. Have they been dominant? Not exactly. But with the struggles we've seen from A&M's offense, whether it's Max Johnson or Haynes King, who, by the way, still loves throwing the ball to the other team. (laughs) I just, I don't see how they move the ball consistently with the way that their offensive line has played. The fact Anaya Smith done for the year. I, I mean, a-Chain may be their only hope. That guy's electric. I love watching him play, but he can't do it all himself. I This just feels like a severe ass-whooping is coming the Aggies' way. Yeah, I and I, I think it's one of those weird situations where the entire country outside of A&M fans is rooting for Alabama. You don't typically get that, but I kind of feel like that's the way this one is right now. That is, uh, yeah, with some with some recent uh, recruiting developments, got oh, a feeling yeah. OU fans are going to be cheered for the Tide, yep. which is weird. Very weird. Very, very weird. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations, Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you are doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. It'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. 
It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcony Single Malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Aaron Judge. He hit number 62 last night. Um, an absolute blast. It sets the AL record for most home runs in a single season. Uh, also, he's turned in uh, one of the best hitting seasons in Major League Baseball history. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, man, the reason he's the real winner, though, the dude is going to absolutely get paid. Insane amount of money coming his way. I think it was something like a $215 million contract that he was offered before the season. And now he is an unrestricted free agent. And the Yankees, some of the other uh, you know teams out there that, that pay big time money are going to have to start getting their calculators out because he's going to have a well over $300 million contract coming his way. The dude, this is one of the best payoffs for betting on yourself of all time. Yeah. And from, you know, everything I've read and heard, like he seems like an awesome guy. Have you heard anything? Like I haven't heard like one negative thing about the guy. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's, it seems like uh, he handles his business on and off the field. Um, doesn't see like a, a big ego guy, um, you know, was just really happy to hit this and put it behind him and, and be able to move on. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess 350 or so million dollars could change the way someone acts, but um, he seems, you're, you're right. He seems like a guy that is a great locker room guy, a guy that you want out there, does all the right things. Yeah, he's going to be very, 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 very rich after this. Did, did you see the guy that caught the ball? Yeah. I, Corey Humans. So that's the guy that caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run. He, he happens to be the VP of a company called Fisher Investments that's based out of Dallas. I, I guess they handle like two hundred a two hundred billion dollar portfolio. I mean, clearly this guy is living right. I, is it? Is it? Does it make me a bad person that I didn't want a guy like that to catch the ball? Uh, no, 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 no. I wanted someone like it, it's life changing for them to catch that home run. Not no offense to I, I do not know Corey Humans. No offense, and that guy's LinkedIn page has to just be insane right now. But I, I don't know. I wanted it to be like some, I was just blue collar person that it'd be like life-changing money for, you know, he's probably not ever going to sell it or at least not for a long time until that value continues to go up, up, up. I mean, that's one of the crazy things right now is like sports memorabilia 
I don't know why I thought that it would be like a uh, a segment that like wouldn't continue on to to make like that type of money, but every single year records breaking on how much some of these things are going for. So um, if you don't need the money right now, hang on to it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a little disappointing. I do. Did you see the person that just jumped out of the stands, like down into like thinking that it, it might drop. That was hilarious. Or whatever you got to do to get your hands on it. It's, I mean, it's easily a seven digit payday without a doubt. There was some company I saw Darren Ravel put it out. There was like some company that had already made an open offer to whoever caught it that they'd give them two million dollars. There you go. So, Nuts. and and I guess if he doesn't hit another one in the regular season, like the price of the ball doubles or something. I I don't know how all that works, yeah. but yeah, I, Corey humans. Eh. Nothing against the guy. It just not the type of story I wanted. You know. All right, who do you have as your loser? of the week i had to go with with paul christ and Mm. it's not necessarily like the firing and all that situation all of that is fine like whatever but he had a 20 million dollar buyout and he only made them pay 11 million dollars i don't know all the reasoning behind it but they're getting off easy i I can understand like someone not wanting to to put someone through the ringer if you fairly you feel like you've been treated fair the whole time. Um, you know, you're ending this thing on on good terms between both parties. But it's funny money, man. College football, it's ridiculous. It comes from nowhere. No one's accountable to any of it. If you if they owe you 20 million dollars, just take the 20 million dollars. I, you're not really helping them out by 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 not taking it. It's funny money if they owe you owe it to you. You got to just go ahead and take it. He's probably got his reasons, but for me, it's like, come on, man, just just take the money. I I didn't understand why he took less. I know, but and one of the theories is like. He can take whatever job he wants and like, there's no offset, but still it's, it's the contract, man. Just, just take, get, get all the money you are, you are owed. Uh-huh. And I know he's a Wisconsin guy, loves the program, by the way, won like 72% of his games there. Not too uh-huh. shabby. I Take the 20 million, take some time off, man. Take some time off. There's gotta be something else like behind the scenes, right? Like I, just, I, I saw that. And I was like, how does that make any sense? You know, who should be pissed off is other coaches. Cause now other athletic directors are gonna be like, Hey, you, you saw what Chris did at Wisconsin. If, if an athletic de- director says to me, says that to me and I'm a coach being fired. I'm like, yeah, don't care. Don't yeah. care what Paul did. I don't know. It's wild. I, I saw that and I was like, well, I mean, I guess like it would make you look like a good guy if there was an actual reason behind it, but it's not taxpayer money. It's uh, it's the foundation money and college college football. It's monopoly money. It's not even real. It's just like 
you don't have to run like some great profitable business. It just continues to pour in from donors and TV and all of these things. Just take the money. But what do I know? Yeah. I, do you think he's just so embarrassed about that Illinois game? <laughs> what they rushed for like two yards where he was like, just, I don't deserve it. Take it and give it to Billima. Then if that's how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here, I, you learned this. I, I will say it, it, it has felt like Jim Leonard was going to be the next guy there for a long time, right? Now, what's he been to? I think he's been to D.C. since 2017. And now he's got his run, man. He's got his trial run. And he's got his opportunity to prove that he should be the guy moving forward. I mean, the guy's a Wisconsin legend. So I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes for Wisconsin. Because that's the thing. They're like one and one in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten West is wide open. Man, it's like they can still go play for a Big Ten title. That's why the timing of it is is weird. But I, I think they just wanted to give Jim Leonard his opportunity to see, like, okay, is this the guy? And if he's not, if they struggle a little bit, then Kansas fans should start getting very nervous. Yes. Very yep. nervous because Lance Leipold, he's from Wisconsin, obviously. From uh, Madison, close to Madison, right? But yeah, it went to, went to Wisconsin Whitewater, coached there, won a ton there with all the national titles like a lot of a lot of wisconsin roots for old lapold interesting all right let's get to my winner and loser i thought about going for my for my winner of the week thought about going with brian robinson do you see that yeah remember he got shot twice um, crazy but he you know he's running back for the commanders and you know they need they need any positivity they can get right now. That football team is, whoo, man, they're struggling. But he got shot twice in the leg. That was about six weeks ago or so. It was right you know, before right, the season started, right? Like yeah. a week or two before season? Yeah, but he just got medically cleared. So that's cool. So nice. I, I think everyone will be rooting for that guy when he gets back on the field. But my winner of the weekend, and I cannot – or my winner of the week, I can't believe I was locked in to basketball on a Tuesday night during football season. Did you watch any of Victor Wambanyama? No. 7-4, French guy, okay? Okay. So this this his French squad came and played the G League Unite, right? In the G League, or Ignite, sorry. G League Ignite's got this guy named Scoot Henderson, who's the, who's supposed to be kind of the number two overall pick in the next draft. Wimbenyama is supposed to be the number one overall pick here in the next draft. And everyone thinks that, you know, everyone's going to try to tank for Wimbenyama. 7-4. Mm. And, I mean, the skill level is, I mean, you watch it. It's like you're watching an alien play, man. It's, it's nuts. But wow, he goes, and this is his first game in America, I'm pretty sure. And like they, they had an interview. It's like, yeah, I mean, NBA court, NBA rules. This is all for, you know, first time uh, for me, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I feel good about it though. 37 points, four rebounds, five blocks. The dude went seven of 11 from three. Ooh, he's seven, four, Ted. And a couple of them were like crossover, crossover, pull up. Everyone. <laughs> 
to start the game, he like blocks a shot off the glass, then goes down and does an ISO and pulls for three and nails it. And everyone was like, Oh my God. Like, so wow. I did not expect to be locked into basketball and start talking about the possibility of the thunder getting one of these guys, whether it's scoot or Wimbenyama, but dude, I watched every second of the game. Those two guys were in, I was glued to my television on Tuesday night. It was wow. He is fascinating to watch. I can imagine. I bet it to look, to look big and out of place with those freaks in the NBA is not easy to do. And I, and I can imagine he, he just looks like he's a head taller than everyone else. It, it, it looks fake. It looks like he's CGI'd onto the court. <laughs> it's just like, and he's still, I mean, he's young. He's super young and he's super like, he's, he's not Chet skinny, but he's still skinny. And you're just, you're just watching him and he's just pulling up, shooting the softest jumpers you've ever seen. You're just like, what? is happening right now it was it was crazy man that's impressive that's impressive so uh people if you don't know the name victor wimbanyama uh get used to it because i'm pretty sure the thunder are going to try to tank again and get him (laughs) (laughs) is that good all right we'll see i i am in nba season coming up man i'm confident the thunder are going to be better than people think they are i'm confident i got faith in the guys Uh, it's still such a bummer that chet's missing the year but my loser of the week thought about going with the LA Rams. Uh, I know that was all the way back on Monday night, but whew, that 49ers defense got after them, man. And Matt Stafford did not look like he was having a good time, man. He looked miserable out there. I know it's brutal. Hey man, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. If, if you're under duress in the pocket, you look very average, very quickly. Yeah. His jersey was wrecked. It's like blood <laughs> everywhere. I was like, oh my gosh. But I also thought about going with Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. And it's it's not football related, right? And you know, you know, the guy's the best quarterback of all time. He's super handsome. Like he's he's one of the most famous people on the planet. Like he's Tom Brady. But to have to have everyone in the world talking about your marriage. And the possibility of a, of a divorce and like lawyers and all that, that's got to suck, man, for Brutal. that to, for that to play out in front of the entire world. And we'll see what happens, man. I mean, it's, it's his personal life, but he, I'm not even sure that Tom Brady can compartmentalize all that. That's, that's really, really tough. Yep. It's got to be hard on you. It's got to be hard on your, your kids. Um, not, not an easy situation. And, uh, I'd be lying if I knew anything about it. All I know is what I've seen from the headlines, but um, strange situation. I don't know. Hopefully, uh, I don't know. However, they can all be happy. That's what I hope for. Yeah, I'm with you. But just that's rough, like, because he's a machine and all, but even, you know, that's got a way on you, especially it playing out so publicly. It's got to be awful. Tough. But my, my loser of the week, Kenny Pickett, which is weird, I know, because Mike Tomlin just named him the starting quarterback, right? And you're a first-rounder. Uh, you you want to be the starter, right? But we saw him we saw him come in after they pulled Mitch Trubisky in the Jets game, and, and Pickett, he brought a spark. Also threw it to the other team quite a few times. 
but still hey, he's a rookie first significant action. Like, okay, but he's the starter. So why is he the loser of the week? Ted, have you, uh, you taken a little gander at the NFL schedule on Sunday? Yeah, they, uh, they got the best team in the AFC. They got the bills. Yeah. And, um, they will be traveling to Buffalo. So Kitty Pickett's first start is on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Who you played there, I played there. That place is insane <laughs> on Sundays. And oh, by the way, the Bills have the number two defense in the NFL, according to you know, the the kind of all-encompassing metric is DVOA, right? Defense adjusted value over average. They've got the number two total defense, like all-around defense, according to DVOA. And guess who has the number one DVOA pass defense? I'm guessing the Bills. The Bills. The Bills. And they're also in the top five in the league in sacks. Woo. Um, Von Miller coming off the edge. He's uh, he's rejuvenated. I'm sure Kenny Pickett's excited for his first career start. I'm sure he's excited to get out there and sling it, man. But damn, I do I do not think this is gonna go well for him. Especially nope. if they're struggling at O line. Like this, this could be very, very, very ugly for Kitty Pickett. I'm I'm a little concerned for his well being. Yeah. Don't be scared to throw it in the stands. Um keep your head on a swivel if you get down in the red zone from stuff coming in from the from the fans down there. It could be dangerous. And um may poke you in the eye. May poke you in the eye. Um and keep your eye out for the uh for Von Miller coming off the edge. That's a that's a lot going on. That's a lot going on. But hey, this is how you this is how you get better, right? Baptized by fire as a rookie. Yeah. I, I guess if you're a Steelers fan, you're like, I guess we're gonna find out if he's the guy. <laughs> no. Don't make your judgment off of this game, uh, with Kitty Pickett. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Gosh, I hope OU wins, man. That will be fine. It'll be fine. We'll be fine either way, but it, I don't know if I could take a third straight loss. Just uh, my only hope is that they play well. It'll be a one-score game. That's I, – I hope you're right. Um, they have not played well the last two weeks. I just want them to play well, and then whatever happens, happens. Agree. Episode 255 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday. We'll see what that one's like. The last couple of Monday pods have not been not been very upbeat. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from three to six on 94.7 the ref. You can hear me from three or from two to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. If you're going down to Dallas, please be safe. Traveling. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Man.